Welcome to episode 449 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 449 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Sensational, Bevan, and you? You know what? It's another Skype Skype show this week, isn't it? Yeah, we just don't get to touch each other like we used to. Yeah, I used to always rub my leg. I used to yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> so we are, I've been in Dunedin working all day. I've got my business shirt on, haven't I? Yeah, very fancy pink. It's business. Well, no, it's actually red. Okay. Check it. Pink. Pink, okay. get it right. Just because yeah. you're growing a beard. I know. That's what happens when you go on camp, so you get fat and grow beards. You, you actually look like you're a bit of a... I wouldn't mess with you right now, to be honest. Just, you know, a bit of facial stubble, you know? Don't mess with Newsom. Yeah. <laughs> How'd the camp go? It was all good. Well, I'm going to fill everybody in on that later on. I've got a whole little section about our camp. Oh, nice. The old How Do We Do Content talk about the camp. Exactly. <laughs> Our talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer and also the patrons who make the show work. If you're one of those patrons, you rock. Okay, in this week's show, we've got our news. We've got an age group of the week. We've got Statistic. Uh, there is a high five. No website of the week. We're going to have, what are we going to call it? Uh, a camp wrap-up? Camp wrap-up, yep. Camp learning from camp, we'll call it. Okay, sounds good. It's got a ring to it. And we've got a few questions and answers at the end. Okay, Jombo, first of all, news. We had, uh, I love it that you've called, how to say it properly? Is the Israel man? Israel man. I love it how you've uh, got that as before Challenge Melbourne. Well, Challenge Melbourne was only a half. Okay, fair enough. So I think it's I think, I think it's fair enough. On this show, it pulls rank. It does. Uh, if you're full distance, you pull rank. And yep. uh, at the Challenge, uh, not Challenge, at the Israel man, they had a full distance and a half distance. So they didn't call it an Iron Man. They called it the two two six or the one one three. And on slow twitch, they've got uh, a sort of a photo gallery there. It looks like a pretty funky place to go and race. And they actually had a, a pretty reasonable field there. Um, in first place in the full, they had a guy called Bart Kandel from the Netherlands in nine forty. Now you might think 9.42 is not an especially fast time for an iron distance race, but you had Sergio Marx from Portugal in second in 9.57 and Pete Vabrusic in third in 10.15. Wow. And we know that Pete, you know, on a, on, a, on a rope type course, he can go, you know, maybe about 8.30 or so. So that shows how tough that course really is. Yep. And then on the girls' side of things, we had Irina Mazan from Israel in 11.56, Mba Zahavi in 12 hours, and then Dr. Susanna, have, uh, I'm not even going to try that, Hassani in 12.14. But they also had some big kahunas there in the, the half distance. They had Massimo Chiagna from Italy. He often goes and wins the Laguna Phuket Triathlon, uh, taking out the guys' race, and then uh, Martina Dogana from Italy taking out the girls' race, and she often um, wins iron distance races around the world as well, so drawing a reasonably attractive little field. Okay, and we had Challenge Melbourne as well, and it was a half-distance race, but it sounds like it was a, it was a pretty tough day at the, court, at the office, and it seems as though, you know, from those people who don't know, that the swim was extremely challenging, and it seems as though everyone who we heard back from about the course said they managed it really in a really great way. So we got some photos sent through from Mike Thompson, uh, Thompson, and uh, it, it looked pretty horrific, didn't it? 
the swim it was it was it was old school stuff you know there was yeah. some looked like there was some serious chop and sort of messy lumpy waves coming in so it would have been a real challenge but as Bevan said Mike said you know they handled the handled as best they could they moved the he said to give uh, David Hansen and the super sprint tri team who organized the event you know a bit of a thumbs up they changed the swim course and kept it rather than just taking the, the easy out and just canning the swim they really wanted to make it a swim bike run and apparently the conditions were way worse um, than what they were in Melbourne two years ago when they sort of shortened the swim in half so the race was taken out by Leon, Griff- Leon Griffin, who's on a bit of a streak. He finished second at uh, Auckland 70.3. He was only less than a, about a minute in front of Nick Castellan. And a good old Pete Robertson was there in third place, mm. only mm. only uh, sort of less than two minutes off the win. And uh, Melissa Halstein took out the girls' race in pretty convincing fashion. So another challenge race down. Well, one thing they did, which was quite interesting, Joe Bexer sent through and just saying that what they did as an option was you could choose not to do the swim mm. and um, she was saying one of her friends chose not to do that option and he said that there were 90 people who joined them and what they did is you weren't allowed to start your bike until your wave came out of the water so it was kind of cool you know like we do talk about you need to be confident enough to swim in, in these types of races but obviously if it's extreme conditions you know it's nice to see that they kind of explored a different option where it made everyone kind of successful in the day exactly Jombo what have we got coming up there is not a lot coming up. You have the Mango Monster. What's that? And it's basically just an iron distance sort of club. It looks almost self-supported. or They have just a couple of aid stations. But you're basically doing the Hawaii Ironman. Um, slightly oh, really? modified course. So they swim down at the pier, and but you do two laps uh, of the swim, I think, out to the, um, the sort of the, the – and one mile mark or the 1.5k mark you do a couple of laps of that you you more or less bike the Ironman course just ever so slightly modified and then the run is not quite the same uh, I think you yeah the run's a little bit different but it's basically all based out of Kona down by the pier just a club club sort of event and a bit of fun and uh, nothing too serious but uh, that got me thinking Bevan what around Christmas thinking, time we should go and just do an Ironman just, just a training day what just, you and I Yep, just go and do an Ironman. Go, go out to Pegasus, swim 3.8K, go and ride 180Ks and run 42Ks. <laughs> just, just go what, and do it. What got you thinking that? I was just thinking, I was thinking about that, that event and I thought, it's, I wonder what it would be like just to go and do an Iron Distance like Tim Don did, and, well, not do it on a treadmill, but just, you know, you, you keep going on. I wonder what, what time we'd do and I wonder how hard it would be to do an Ironman when, you, really is, not, when, you, don't, when you don't train for it at all. Like I have to admit when that, that – that, M's kind of entry to the Ironman New Zealand came up. It did make me think, not that I was ever really going to take it, but it did make me think, I'd love to go and just turn up and do it. The problem is, because I haven't done really triathlon training, and it's probably, what, six mm. years now. So it's been a long time since I've done, you know, specific training. Now, I'm a thick guy, but again, I haven't done Ironman. My problem is, would I just end up injuring myself quite severely? I don't think so. I yeah. think you'd you'd get battered around a bit for it. I think you'd need to do a couple of runs, and by that state, you know, you wouldn't want to do it in your totally. injured state that you're at the, the moment. But mm. you know, at, at Christmas time, I'd be have reasonable run fitness. I'd have zero bike fitness, and next to uh, hardly any swim fitness. Um, so it'd just be an interesting thing to do. You know, doing the pressure of a race. You know, it might not be. Uh, you know, it might be a slightly different story, but. Um, I'd definitely you know. be doing the run walk, I tell you that much. And, it's, <laughs> and let's be honest, it'd probably be a bit more of a walk run. <laughs> if we around. I could be keen, up for a challenge. Okay. We'll see how things going. Okay, we'll do it, the, the John and Bev triathlon. Now this, this next section, 
could be John's rant of the week. Well, I I, I went on Facebook this week because I only go in there once a week, and and I saw John. You kind of ranted on Facebook. You weren't that happy on Facebook, were you? I was not happy, and so Joe jo Baxter sort of started this off. She sent through some little weekly update or whatever, and said, oh, and I might have even seen it on Facebook somewhere that um, challenge, not challenge, uh, Ironman Melbourne, which is the Asia Pacific Championships, has uh, just announced they're going to do a rolling start. Not happy, Bevan. Well, Not happy so, at so all. here's what I I woke up to Facebook, and here's what I saw. Did I hear this correctly? That Ironman Melbourne is changing the rolling start. Um, you know, point. Uh, if yes, this is a wee solution for a championship race. Clearly, something needed to be done, but a better solution could have been found for a so-called championship race. I'll continue with this rant with more vigor on next week's show if it is correct. The question is, John, was it correct? It is correct. Oh, away you go, rant away. And. Uh, my reason for ranting here is this is supposed to be a championship race where you go head to head. Now, for everybody who's people who have done Challenge Melbourne or have seen the coverage or heard all about it, it's a complete draft fest. So they've, they've got to fix, do something to change things. Otherwise, it's just going to be the same again and people are going to go, oh, it was just a big draft fest. So they, uh, to their credit, they've tried to make some change. Um, and also, I'm not anti wave, uh, not anti rolling start because. Most of the people that we talk to who experience a wave start say it's actually not that bad. It's actually pretty good. And even from some of the really competitive guys say, yeah, it's actually pretty good. You get to go out there and just rock into it and do your sort of own race. My issue with it is this race in Melbourne is uh, it's in March. I don't know the exact date. So I don't know, maybe we're six or seven weeks ago, six or seven weeks ago. When you enter the race, you enter the race knowing what it was like last year and going, well, it's probably going to be a, um, a mass start. Yet six weeks before, they tell you it's not going to be. If I was in that position, I would be absolutely fuming. If you know, For the guys that are racing at the pointy end of the field, they're trying to go, go to championship races to have really good, strong competition. I just think if it wasn't a championship race, I probably wouldn't rant, but they're calling it a championship race, and it's just a complete load of shit. Not happy, Bevan. Not happy at all. Well, it seems like there was a consensus that was backing you yes. when we went to the discussion. But I have to say, Matt Nelson, uh, Neil on, he's got, just pay your money and shut your mouth and cop it. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically the attitude WTC have. Just cop it. That's, um, Rob Yulse is on with you, John. Peter Colson, though, he, I mean, um, he's been there. He said, after being on the, the media... Oh, sorry, I've just after being on the media motorbike for the last two years at Ironman Melbourne, seeing the drafting, I think it's a great idea for a rolling start. It's hard for me to say as I love being love being in a mass start, but also hate blatant cheating by athletes at Ironman and Ironman Melbourne with the drafting. So, yeah, absolutely agree. Something had to be done, um, but I just think this is a pathetic. And the fact that it's done six weeks before. Can you let it go, John? Can you let it go? Let it go. I would not be letting it go if I was racing. I would be extremely pissed off. So if if they do it next year, you don't have a problem. It's just the not knowing. Yeah, it's the not knowing. And and the fact that it's a championship race. And I believe that championship races, age groups should be going head-to-head. And at, a, at, at half Ironmans, you know, when they do age group wave starts, it still stays pretty congested because it's a 1.9k swim. And uh, But over a 3.8k swim, if they did wave starts uh, by age group, I think it would be, it's not the perfect solution, but I think it would be a hell of a lot better. And uh, So the difference yeah. between, for those who don't know, the difference between a wave start and a rolling start? A, a, a rolling start, 
from my understanding, haven't experienced one, is they basically line you up in corrals. You sort of estimate your, um, or you, you're allowed to sort of go, and they have them lined up saying, right, this is the, the area for the, the 50 to 55 minute swimmers, the uh, 55 to 60, the 60 to 70, and you can choose which corral you want to go in. Um, but you could quite easily, if you're a 50 minute swimmer, there's no reason why you couldn't go and line up in the hour our 45 corral and be one of the last ones to leave. I don't think it's a hard and fast rule. But then whenever you start, you know, you go over the starting line and your time starts from that point. So you have no idea where your placing is. So the question is, if you are, okay, let's see if you want to play the system and you do want to strategically think, well, what time, and let's say you're a pretty decent swimmer, maybe like a 54 to 57 minute guy or girl, um, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, strategically, I want to put myself in the best position to give myself the best opportunity on the bike to work for a similar size pack and a similar ability pack. What would you do? If I was in that position, I'd still go at the front to try to find. Or if I was a 54 to 57, I would go um, near the start, and then hopefully, you know, you'd still have the the big bikers and the slightly slower swimmers coming through, and hopefully, you can then, you know, yeah, use them to your benefit going through the bike ride. But there's so many different ways you could play it if you're if you're somebody that prefers to just settle into your rhythm and just ride your own ride then you probably go somewhere near the tail end and then just um ride past people also to depend a little bit on the the nature of the course you know whether you've got a big wide road you know if you were in kona um then you'd just be able to ride straight past people it's nice straight roads if you're on a more of a technical course you'd get held up people so it'd be sort of on a case-by-case basis if you're continuously riding through a group of people let's say i do let's say i go bugger i'm gonna go 110 which means mm-hmm. I'm behind a massive pack as I come out of the water you know maybe 115 where you know, the majority of the swim field's out in front of me and I'm a lot stronger rider so maybe I'm like a five hour guy is there an advantage actually working through the field with the draft in front of you mm-hmm. or, or do you think but do you think that will hurt you because you're still having to navigate your way through them uh, if you're having to navigate through people who are sort of in the 16-hour bracket, then you can come up on them really quickly, and I think that just ends up being a bit dangerous. But if you're navigating through people that are only going a few kilometres per hour difference, then you can you, know, you can just constantly be sucking off their draft and, and slingshotting past them. So, yeah, there's, um, there's lots of different pros and cons. But at the end of the day, I like the idea of going head-to-head with people in your age group, and that's um, that's why you'd go to a championship race. So Yeah, it's definitely in a championship race. It's definitely the only field way really isn't it one other thing that uh, Paul Hurden said um, is that uh, apparently Ironman UK might be heading the same way uh, next year as well but we'll wait and see that's certainly not official whatsoever but maybe this is something they're going to start rolling out I think it was actually sorry I'm going to take that back I think it was somebody saying Ironman Zurich may have just announced it Okay, so you've got an article which I haven't had an opportunity to read about Felix. Lucy Francis said apparently they're doing the same with Iron Man Zurich. So if it's not true, blame Lucy Francis, not us. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take no responsibility for announcing that to the world. Um, Felix, I I haven't had a chance to read that article. Tell me about it. Yeah, so there's a nice article on Felix up on uh, Slow Twitch. Just, yeah, I thought we'd be short on news this week. So it's really um, talking about he's this sort of the difference between WTC and Challenge. And, you know, with, with Apple, you had Steve Jobs, so you almost had this personality who was almost a brand within a brand. Yeah. And they're really saying, you know, that's the same with Felix. Whenever we talk about Challenge, we often talk about Felix. Yeah. And uh, it's just it just comes across really, really well in terms of, you know, he's looking, his whole philosophy around Challenge is, yeah, it is that whole family thing, but Iron Man say the same thing. 
but he's more interested in growing the sport as a whole. So in his region and in, in Roach, you know, he gets together with all the ra- the other ra- independent race directors in the area. So instead of trying to screw them by going right, I'm gonna, I just want to get all these a- all your athletes, and I don't want them doing your races. He's going right. How can we sort of work the season in so you guys get the most people at your races, and in the long term, that's going to help me because we'll get more people doing challenge right road, and it'll be you know be a really nice sustainable model. Um, so just a, a, an interesting article. People go and look on Slow Twitch. A few good things on there this week. You know, as you say, like he is an iconic character in our sport, and um, I think anyone who's ever met the guy, you instantly know from the moment that his heart's in the right place, don't you? Mm, definitely, yeah. he's just got good energy and is always there, willing to help everybody, not just the pros but the age groupers. He'll, he's just uh, just got a really good energy and, and and good outlook for the sport. So we had a few more people like him around. Yeah, be a good yeah, thing, much place. Okay, so Ironman have now announced that they're going to have enhanced professional race coverage for the 2015 World and Regional Championship races. And what they're going to be doing is going to be have advanced data tracking. So that sounds pretty interesting. They're going to be using some GPS in the races. I know, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I think it's, it's, awesome. uh, it's a long time coming. We've been going, why the hell aren't they doing it? And uh, it looks like they are. One other thing that they are allowing pro athletes to opt into is to... Um, provide their their power data um, and they've got we'll combine long distance GPS tracking with multi-sport biometric and power data presented by an intuitive map driven design so yeah I'm looking I think it's a it's a great move it's a long time coming and can't see any reason why they haven't been doing it for in the past but now they're doing it so let's uh, let's see what they can do and I guess their first real crack at it is going to be at uh, Ironman Melbourne which is you know you, you may yeah I'm not going to go on and harp on and harp on Tell about, about that race, championship John. thing, <laughs> but it is a championship. And last year we did see a really stellar race uh, on the, both the men's and women's side. So looking forward to see what they can do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate it with the video coverage that you get because, you know, like the video coverage, you know, it's, sometimes it's hit and miss. But, you know, if you've got that kind of GPS and if you're someone who knows how to geek out and look at the numbers – it could be really fascinating, you know, because you can kind of see when people are burning matches, you know, and all that type of thing. If you can kind of see that real-time data, it just gives you a much deeper insight to what's happening in the race, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in Kona, they only have, you know, a couple of cameras out there on the course. So and usually all you're doing is looking at the, the men's leader or the women's leader or, you know, somebody in the top three. But, you know, it's always intriguing. You know, what we want to know is coming out of the swim – how Sebastian Keenlay tracking in terms of running these guys up, and then when if he does get to the front, how far behind is Jan Fredino? We don't want to wait twenty minutes to to get the next update. We want to know right where are they? He's got a puncher. How much time did he lose? Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be great. Okay, uh, team, we've released the latest Legends of of uh, Legends of Triathlon, and it's Sally. What was her last name? Sally. Davis? Sally Edwards. Edwards. Sorry, Sally Edwards. And we've also got our auction up for the tri suit. If you go to our Facebook page or Legends of Triathlon. Com. You can get that there. Um, yeah, all good. Sponsor, John. Sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Tell me about it. Well, they've got some awesome athletes on board, and one guy who has been with them for quite some time, and he's really starting to hit some form this season, Leon Griffin. 
So he's been on the on the, the extreme endurance for quite some time. Other pro athletes are using it: Von Van Vlerken, Matt Russell, um, Timo Bracht, and uh, yours truly. You know, out mate, they're crushing it every day. I haven't got a photo of you on there, mate. What's all that about? I know, I know. It has been. <sighs> it has been, or he never was. Uh, Heidi <laughs> Heidi Cessna, Helene Biedervart, who's been uh, top ten in Kona, Miriam uh, Weird, who I think is a won Ironman races. So. Whole bunch of good top quality pro athletes that have uh, seen the light and can bounce back. You know, especially someone like Yvonne Van Vleuk, and she races a lot. And uh, you know, she when we've talked to her in Kona every time, you know, she finds that she, you know, since she's been on extreme endurance, always bouncing back. And um, and I can assure you, these pro athletes, uh, you know, they train pretty hard and get good benefits from X Endurance. If you want to crack on it, uh, go to xendurance.com, use promo code IAMTALK5, you get five bucks off. Yeah, if you're looking for that little edge team, that little bit to tip you over to the next level, check it out, xendurance.com. Okay, John, last week's discussion. So what was the discussion? Let me pull up Facebook here. So last week's discussion was... Stupid rules. Uh, what stupid rules. Yep. Yeah, Will Ferrell sent through it, and, and you know what? What is it? He was at his local swimming pool. They banned the paddles based on health and safety, and he was wondering if you have seen this any subject to any stupid rules in any choice. Well, it's actually quite funny right now because in New Zealand, there's this new laws that have come out around uh, health and safety. Around the whole laws have changed, and I know for my running business, it's been it's been a massive amount of work to actually develop all the systems in it around it and Joe would put this comedian's piece up on on YouTube the other day it was quite funny where's that line between common sense and stupidness is it's a fine line isn't it John it's absolutely ridiculous we're our our kids program we can't go and use a go-kart track now there's absolutely nothing that could go wrong there um but they've been told because of health and safety nobody's allowed to they're not allowed to subcontract the use of their track and it's like it's just a piece of bloody tarmac and we're on on bikes but something could happen and bloody hell (laughs) Don't get me started. Don't get him started, team. Okay, so here we go. Richard Hayden Lewis has got banned from pissing on the bike at the gym. <laughs> That's a cold one. Yeah. So here's a funny story. I'm up in Auckland doing, um, I won't name names, but I was up in Auckland doing a filming for Les Mills doing Body Attack, which is this high-impact aerobics. And one of the girls needed to go to the toilet. She pissed in the class while she was teaching. Nice. <laughs> she just kept on going. And I had a bit of respect for that, to be honest. A lot of the girls have had babies, their pelvic floors. Yeah, exactly. Not so strong. If you anybody's out there, any girls out there pregnant or going to be having a baby anytime soon, one of the key things you do is your pelvic floor exercises because if you don't, it gets a bit messy later on. John, top tip number one from John this week. Tip No, tip number two. Oh, here we go. I'm not going to name names here. <laughs> Never, ever ask a female if they're pregnant in terms of oh. if, you, if you don't know. Yeah, are you pregnant? Don't do no. that. No, it's criminal. You you got to see the baby kicking the stomach before you make that assumption. Yeah, you ask other people to, uh, and you figure Were out. Were you there when ask. you saw this? No, I was not. It's a listener of the show too. Oh, sharpen up. Uh, Admittedly, I have to admit, in my younger years, I did do that once. It's, a, it's you only do that once. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Matt, Matt Bins was saying, my stupid rule was a TQ official telling competitors at the Noosa Triathlon to do up the zip of their front of their tri-suit during the race. Oh, yeah, it's a bit silly. Stuart Bailey's got swimming too fast at, his public, open, at a public swimming pool. It was a few years ago. It was asked to slow down by the pool attendant. <laughs> a, num- 
<laughs> a number of people have said about paddles. Uh, Clive Smith, you know, paddles have been banned at his pool. Um, Jens Olsen was saying it's forbidden to wear jewellery and watches at, at his pool as well. And I've got to back this one up. Paul Dean, I got pretty irate in Kona in October with the ridiculous body marking system. You get to the King Cam nice and early to reduce the stress and then spend over 30 increasingly stressful minutes in various queues to have transferred applied. And I'm agreeing with you there, Paul, because what happens? Every other race you do, they give you these little tattoos. You won't know this, Bevan, but they do now. You put your tattoo on your arm. Because <laughs> I'm so out of touch. Yeah. And every other race, you put your tattoo on your arm. Done. But you, when you qualify to go to Kona and you've actually probably done this about five or six times, then they decide that they need to have some officials put the tattoo on your arm. Why do, why do you think that's the case? I've got absolutely no idea. Yeah, because like... And let's be honest, we don't really need numbers don't nowadays. Need them. No, no, you know, like back in the day, we needed numbers. And I can get, I kind of like the nostalgia of it. Like, I have to admit, it is still quite cool to have the number on your body, if you know what I mean. Yep. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, don't disagree you know, with that. And, and admittedly, the next day, the 10, where you got your number 10 in, yep. that's, 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 a, that's a mark of pride in our sport. When you go to the shop and what's up with that number? Oh, I'm a, I'm a nine then. Yeah. But, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, I don't get why, I, I don't understand why that's still there. Because it's, it's, it must be a hassle for WTC as well. There's heaps of people there for yeah, and, it's, and officials. That's another twenty odd people they need to find. I, I think they enjoy doing it because they get to meet all the competitors. But yeah, it was. It was I'm, I'm with you, Paul. I'm with you. Stuart Mount Lawrence has got I'm in Barcelona, where uh, it may as well indeed be draft legal. Saw a competitor drafting the draft buster for about two minutes. That's yeah, a shocker. <laughs> that's, that's insane. I, I, oh, for someone like that, you got to give them some respect because they have the balls to, to, to draft the draft buster. Yeah, yeah. That is legendary. Oh, that's gold. Arnold Silikov, he's got uh, several on there, but one thing that he said at Ember Man, uh, you have to run with the one and only cup they give you at the start. And I've experienced that one. So they give you a cup. There's no cups at the aid stations. You run with your cup. Oh, and you've got to keep And you have to cup. fill it up. And that's an iron distance race. And what do they do? Do they give you a strap with it or? Yeah, yeah so it gives you something to shove onto your race belt. So you sort of take your cup and then you shove it into your race belt and you run along to the next aid station. Wow. Um, I was, Stuart Moore's got, I was helping a friend to learn to swim and got told it's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just let yeah. it drown. Yeah, no, you're not you're coaching on the on the pool deck. Is oh yeah, you do that at council pools and stuff. And yep, even if you're doing it for free, uh, Matt rides at Ironman Lake Placid this year. Rain was forecast, and they said they did not want us to cover our bikes with bags or tarps the night before the race. After bikes were checked in, W E W T F. Very good. I'll go with Lucy Francis. She's got they banned bombing and heavy petting, whatever that is, at swimming swimming pools in Britain centuries ago. There we go. There's one other one on here. I'll just find. Here we go. James Hotel. Two traditional water bottle cages on my bike, despite having huge reservoir lodged between my handlebars. And they brought. One time when I did Ironman New Zealand, they had something like this as well. You had to have uh, two water bottles on your bike when you checked your bike in uh, the day before. It's like, I'm coming back next morning. If I forget my drink bottles, that's my problem. And I'll pick them up 20K into the bike ride. I'm with you on James. What are, what are rules that have you've kind of experienced that have been a bit silly? Um, I did have one. Yeah, the main one was that, that oh, the recent one was that stupid water bottle rule. Uh, and you just agreeing with the, the whole um, body marking as well in Kona. That was just seemed ludicrous to me. Yeah, admittedly, I haven't experienced the not allowing yourself to zip your top down, but that seems pretty stupid as well. 
Mm. You know, like, you know, right. Oh, I remember. And trying to. No, I remember, I remember in Germany you weren't allowed to put your number underneath your wetsuit. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember we, we, yeah, that was a bit of a yeah. stupid rule. You weren't allowed to have your, you know, like when you're doing your triathlon, you, you get your number, everything's under your wetsuit, you just take your wetsuit off and away you go. And they had a rule that you weren't allowed to have your number on underneath your wetsuit. Like, why, why, I didn't get that. I did not either. Mm. Uh, one other one from France at Embram Man, you had to have your body, uh, no, your race number attached with three safety pins. Couldn't have two. It could not be attached. But, you know, often with race belts, you have a little bit of uh, yeah, yeah. sort of stretchy bus coming out the front and you can put one of those toggle bits on and it stays on perfectly well. No, you could not have two of them in one safety pin. You had to have three safety pins. What, what, how does that happen? <laughs> That's bureaucracy gone crazy, isn't it? It is. Okay, so this week we want to know who has invested a big amount of money in our sport and uh, who might. So tell me what you're thinking here, John. Well, Melina sent me through this article last week and it's from a website called... Uh, in ring or I-N-R-N-G dot com and it's got the wealthiest people in pro cycling and you go through this list and there's these mega million billionaire dudes James that Murdoch are basically Australia. Yeah, sponsoring all the pro teams you know like the guys from Tinkoff Bank and uh, Tinkoff and and just all these massive big companies and just you know they're, they're never going to get a return on, on sponsoring the it's cycling It's like owning team. a sports team really isn't it? Yeah, they'll, they'll get a return but highly unlikely they're going to actually make a return, a profitable return on it. So, yeah, we're just wondering who has invested big money in our sport in the past. You know, we've heard stories about um, the DuPont dude and and then maybe who do you think might John, do it in the John, future? Was, was the DuPont dude the same guy who's just recently there's the movie about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. the same guy? Yeah. And did he invest a lot of money in triathlon, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Because you know of the movie. And, re- and res- wrestling, well, I think, was his big one, but he also did a triathlon as and well. And you, you know the story, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melina's told it plenty of times. Oh, I've never heard Melina tell the story. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Because for those who don't know, the movie we're talking about is called Foxcatcher, and um, I don't really want to ruin the movie, but it's he was a very strange man, and uh, he but he invested a lot of money in certain sports. And again, watch the movie because it's a pretty interesting story, or, or do some research. Um, I don't want to ruin the movie again, but um, I actually went on YouTube and there was a clip of him in the 80s doing a presentation for some, and he was a very strange man, even even mm. when he was doing a presentation. You, yeah, you, no, it was, it was the, the triathlon team was called Team Foxcatcher as well. Oh, I'm, really? I'm, I'm 90% sure of that. Yeah. Oh, I have to go talk to Melina about it. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Luckily, Melina wasn't the, the, the plot of the movie. <laughs> I know. Could have, could have had a starring role. <laughs> well, it wouldn't have been good if he did. Mm. Um, okay. Um, okay, so so the question for this week is, who has invested big money in the sport so far, maybe in the past, and who could we entice to uh, invest a lot of money into the we sport? We need future? some of these guys who just want to throw some money at our sport and uh, and go big and mm. make it. Yeah. A global, the next global sensation. And maybe not be too weird like the Fox Catcher guy. Okay. Age Grouper of the Week. Good old uh, Ollie Jenner. Oh, Mr. Sausage. Mr. Sausage. Oh, he's a good man, Ollie Jenner. Well, he sent through a really good Age Grouper this week. He's got Holly Craddock is my nomination for Age Grouper of the Week or possibly interview. I've heard a lot about her. Uh, and this was taken from a blog. It's an amazing story, so he's just taken an insert from a blog. I became an Ironman in Wales on September 8th, 19th. Uh, 2013. This has been a lifetime dream and my blog has followed my progress up until that day. However, when I crossed the line, I tragedy I tragically discovered that my 19-year-old niece Rosie, who had traveled to Tirumbi to support me, died in her sleep whilst in Wales, making my Ironman debut the best and worst day of my life. 
Since then, I have made it my promise to Rosie to get to the World Championships in Kona, Hawaii. I hope to do this for 2015, but I will not stop at nothing until I achieve this for her in her honour. And then Ollie goes on to say, I'm pleased to tell you that she has qualified in B this year. So um, she came third in her age group and has got her blog, which is Holly's Road to, to Ironman at blogspot.fr. And uh, just said, love, I'm sure the listeners would love to hear the story. So pretty phenomenal. Oh, yeah, no, I went on there and just had a bit of a scan through her, her blog, and she is a iron nutter. She, <laughs> she moved out to um, Lanz- Lanzarote at one stage to basically live out there and, and really train out there and stuff. And so she's still a young girl. I think she's she's either I think she's twenty to twenty four, twenty five to twenty nine age group. But yeah, uh, what an absolute tragic day. I mean, this she said that this um, niece was it was a niece of her. I think they were pretty similar age. Her niece Rosie. So she's out there racing, and her you know her, one of her best mates and her niece you know died, and yet uh, it was one of her best days finishing an Ironman. But she's uh, gone on to dedicate you know racing for her and uh, and qualify for Kona. She's off to Kona this year. It is phenomenal. Awesome effort. Like, it, like it's those moments are really crazy where you have this massive life achievement and then to be hit with such a tragic kind of news, like mm-hmm. that instant, like it's must be. Remember years ago there was that bowler, um, that New Zealand bowler at the Commonwealth Games and she was going for the gold medal. Millie Khan. Millie Khan. And so for those people around the world don't know, she was, she was going for, I'm not quite sure if she was going for the gold or not, but a medal at the Commonwealth Games and her grandchild had died that morning in a car crash and pretty mm. much the whole country knew that the grandchild had died but her. And uh, it was, yeah, man, imagine that moment. How tragic mm. is that? Mm. But Holly, she's she's... You know, she's gone out there and cranked it, and well done. Because you know, like getting to Kona is not an easy achievement for any person. So to go on there and do these yards, and I'm sure it means a lot to not just Holly, but to her family and the people in her community. So if you want to check out her website, I'll put a link to it on www.iamtalk.me. But it's Holly's Road to Ironman.blogspot.fr. And uh, Holly, you're a bit of legend, and, and Holly, you are our age, age group of the week. week. John, three, two, one, stats, fantastic. It's, it's fantastic. fantastic. Oh, mate. Oh, the stats keep coming. <laughs> they keep coming. Keep coming. So today we've been talking a little bit about, about Challenge. I had Challenge Melbourne last weekend. We've got Challenge Wanaka coming up in a few weeks' time, which was the second ever Challenge race, and that was uh, first started in 2007. So, do, you know know our, really... do you know our first show, John? I listened to our yeah. first show about three months ago. We talked about Challenge Queenstown, the announcement oh, yeah. of Challenge Queenstown. So that must have been 2006, was yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and at that stage, yeah, it was Challenge Road, Challenge Wanaka, and it stayed that time for a number of years. Mm. But take a guess, people, if you're out there training at the moment, how many Challenge races do you think around the world? Now, are you talking uh, about just the long distance or any race at all? Any Challenge races. Okay, Challenge Race, John. Okay, I know the number. Yes. So in your head as you're riding or running right now or doing work in the office, just look busy. Yeah. What, what don't do, you... do what the people in Christchurch do in their office. Oh, we've got to tell that story, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> so... While you're thinking about how many people... Are okay, so here's the story. So there's a couple in, in Christchurch on the weekend. Friday night, they're at, they're at work and they think, let's get it on at work. So there's a, now, what's, was it an affair? Do we know that detail? Uh, we don't know how much of an effect. We know that you, you carry on with the story because there's, there's a bit more detail on it now. Okay, so so they, they thought, you know, 
and let's be honest, a lot of people had sex at work in their time, and these people thought, let's get it, let's get it on. Yeah. And apparently, it was quite romantic. Apparently, it lasted for about half an hour because I've done my research. Yeah. The thing they didn't realise was that the lights were on, and their building was a see-through building, and they were right across the road from one of Christchurch's biggest bars, where two hundred people watched them get it on for about half an hour. Taking photos, YouTube clips. Yeah, it's all out there. It was out there, and they got, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's whilst it was entertaining, it's it's also a horrible story because the guy was married with kids and stuff. Oh, um, was he? Yeah, and oh. as soon as I, the first time I heard it, I, I thought, guarantee that dude has got to be married and having a. Oh no! So not not nice in that regard, but at the same time, was somewhat entertaining for a lot of people. Oh man. Oh no! And they got busted. Everybody knows who it is. Not everybody knows it, but do, apparently, do you know who it is? You know the company, and so anybody who knows that company apparently knows who it is. Well, apparently the two hundred people across the road knew who it was as well. So, anyway, the number is Jumbo. Forty-one challenge races well, around now, the world. To now. be honest, if you had asked me, and I hadn't seen the number, I wouldn't have said forty-one. Yeah, yeah, they've got a lot of races now, haven't they? I think I mean it's been big expansion in the states by essentially you know uh, they've, they've created a few of their own races, but also taking over um, the, the rev races. So you know that's really spawned quite a, quite a bit in uh, in North America. So good on them. Um, they are you know there's going to be more points of difference now. You know if if WTC really start rolling out much more of these you know gigantic size races um, with rolling starts and stuff then there's going to be start to be a few more points of difference if challenge maybe go down wave starts or they keep mass starts with smaller fields then you know there might well be some some differences there so yeah it's uh, it's good well, I stuff. I think the nice the thing for challenge, challenge is like if we go back to those early days when they kind of introduced challenge Wanaka you know, like it was, a, it was still very much a small little business. You know, that had one really successful race, and then another race that they were developing. Whereas they've kind of proven that they've got a sustainable, grow, growable model now. You know, they've got forty-one races, so they're a, they're a big business now, and so you know that that they've proven they know how to make it work, and they've actually been able to do that kind of um, that expansion thing in a way that's been successful. So it'll be really interesting to watch what happens over the next kind of four or five years with the sport with challenge. So good stuff. That is your stat for this week. 41 challenge races around the world. Okay, Jonbo, you can do your own intro here. John and Axel's <laughs> South Island Training Camp. What's the name of your business? You've got a name, haven't you? Fast Forward Endurance. Fast Consultants. Forward. A bit long. We just call it Fast Forward, though. Fast Forward. Okay. Where you go? Tell me about it. So um, I thought, A, we were short on content, but B, this might help people a little bit in terms of planning their own little mini camps. So the idea with our camp was trying to position it um, ideally for people doing Ironman New Zealand. So I used this camp last year as as a build-up to Ironman New Zealand, but it also fitted in for people that were doing Challenge Wanaka, um, and also a couple of the guys were using it for Port Macquarie, um, and there was one one or two dudes who were doing uh, Ironman Melbourne. So Position-wise, we basically, for Ironman New Zealand, it's um, put out uh, five weeks before the race. So the idea is, you know, you do the camp. It was from Saturday through to Tuesday. The rest of the week you have, uh, uh, so four big days of training, and then you have, you know, some recovery time for the next three or four days, and then you've got four weeks left of training. So big three or four, big four days. 
three or four days of easy training and then you, you know, recover from the camp and that enables you to have two more weeks of solid training and a two-week taper into the race. So that's sort of the rationale around the, the timing of the camp. And uh, it was some big mileage. The people on the camp this year were you know, slower in terms of their Ironman speeds. So, you know, Phil and I weren't there and we've had some other guys, you know, sort of sub-10 guys in the past or, or sort of 10 to 11-hour people. A lot of the people on the camp were sort of in the – 11 and a half to 13 hour range but we also had some people who were sort of in the 15 to 16 hour range yeah they still went out there um for four days in a row and boxed on and and really got some good mental strength out of it so we do go long um and i'll just run through our days so first day was a saturday went down to the pool and we did a 3k swim in the pool for the most part some people did a bit shorter to get on the road and our focus in that swim was really to work on some some pace variations so actually you know we did uh, two sets of four by 200 and actually trying to get progressively faster so you do one 200 at a steady pace the next one you try to go say five to seven seconds quicker next one you try to go another five to seven seconds quicker next one you try to go a bit quicker again and uh, and actually using the clock to see if you're actually achieving that and then uh, everybody jumped on the bikes, started raining straight away as we were about to jump on the bikes. And they were going to ride 100 and it's about 125 kilometers um, with uh, some big climbing. We went from more or less sea level over Portis Pass, which is around about 1,000 meters, um, and then some pretty decent climbing after that as well. So for, you know, for athletes that are in that, you know, 14 hour plus range who aren't so strong on the bike getting over climbs that have got pitches well over 10 percent was was a real challenge for them mm. and uh and then when they got there um we all had a bit of a bit of a run off the bike and uh and that was was day one so 3k swim 125k bike and then the guys ran anywhere from sort of 30 to 60 minutes and that was a pretty pretty full-on day really uh next morning we got how, up how were the people feeling because i like i know it's only day one but a lot of those kind of mid-range athletes may not have done big volume before, so how were they finding the experience? Pretty nervous and, you know, lots of questions about whether it's going to be too much um, and whether they're going to smoke themselves. But as I'll sort of explain as we go through, you know, most of them finished day four, which was over 200 Ks, and they're going, I actually feel too bad. I feel, yeah, uh, I feel like I could go for a run. They finished, we finished off at a, at a sort of a... The, the Celtic station on the corner of Rusley Road, which is where you finish the, the Gorges ride in Christchurch. And uh, yeah, and guys are pulling and going, okay, I want to go for a run. Wow. Just done four days of big training. Yeah. And, uh, and these guys with, with, with fairly limited experience. So day two, we got up and uh, the guys went out for an hour run with um, a bit of core work and some exercises with, uh, with Axel, who's a, who's a, a, a German guy who has all these fancy drills and squats and everything and some of them came back a little uh, little, little little sore from some of that and then we got on the bikes and we biked over Arthur's Pass and some of them dropped down the other side and, and it was an 80k ride with, a, with a, again a decent amount of climbing rolled into a nice area called Lake Brunner um, and Moana was a little township we stayed at and then that afternoon we did a probably about an hour and a quarter swim in the lake and just doing a whole bunch of skill stuff so some that day about an hour run um, and then about an 80k ride and then a good sort of 75 minute swim with quite a bit of intensity in it so a little bit less a little bit less volume um, but still you know a solid day at the office and then day three is our long run day um, but before that we go out and, and do a continuous long swim 
uh, open water swim. And that's something that a lot of people don't do. You know, they do a bit of open water swimming, but often break it up into little bits and pieces. But we, you know, we got them out there, did a little bit of skill work first, and then it's like 45 minutes, continuous swimming, do not stop for 45 minutes. And, uh, and some people find that a real, a real struggle. Um, so make sure you incorporate some continuous swimming into your program and not just pool swimming. It's yeah. totally different pool swimming to open water swimming. Came back from that, uh, had a good uh, chow down with some food. The forecast for that day again was uh, pretty horrendous. All, all the days we were away it was supposed to be crap weather and it ended up being pretty reasonable. Went out and the guys did a, a run from sort of most of the, probably the minimum was about an hour 45 and some guys ran up to three hours ran on a beautiful, uh, we drove for about 50k to a you know, really nice um, paved mountain bike trail. They're building these mountain bike trails all over New Zealand and uh, Axel knew where one was. It was the Great Western Trail or something like that. Just fantastic running in the wilderness past these nice big lakes and just perfectly um, manicured trails, which was great. And then we got the guys uh, to ride uh, 40 to 60 Ks after that. And the revelation for some of those guys, you know, they're thinking, oh, there's no bloody way that I'm going to ride my bike after doing a long run. But they all got back from the, the bike ride and said, I've never felt so good after a long run from yeah. um, from doing actually some active recovery riding afterwards. So there's a good tip for you guys. You know, if, you, if you're somebody that really struggles for doing those sort of three-hour runs, if you've got the time for the weekend, going out for a, a 30 to 90-minute spin after that can do massively good things for your recovery. Uh, so that was that. pretty much that day was, you know, it was a – uh, continue, fairly continuous swim, um, an hour 45 to three hour run, and then a sort of 40 to 60k bike ride. And then day four was our sort of uh, jewel in the crown day, which was going to be a massive ride home from Moana to Christchurch. It was 205k's, but you have an extremely difficult climb up the Otera Gorge, which has pitches of sort of 16 to tw- up to 20% in places. And uh, and then you've got quite a bit more climbing through the middle, and then you drop down into Christchurch for the last sort of 75k's. And uh, quite a few of the guys did not go up the Otera Gorge simply because they, no matter how determined they would have been, they would not have had the gearing to get up there. If they'd been on mountain bikes, I'm pretty sure all of them would have been keen to give it a crack, but they just simply didn't have the gearing. Plus, it was absolutely pissing down with rain going up there, and when you've got those sort of grades, trying to keep your wet back wheel from uh, not spinning out is bloody difficult. But good old Dave Dwan got over. First one at the top. Oh, nice. Dave Dwan cranked it. Pavel um, Chalice from Auckland. He also, Pavel, I'll probably pronounce your surname wrong, but he's a listener of the show. He cranked it up there as well, and we had about, you know, good Andrew Charles and Shannon got up there and probably had a good sort of seven or eight people who managed to crank it up the top. Got back, a lot of them got back on their bikes and then uh, just spanked it home to Christchurch. And the main objective with that ride for the people was the last 75 k's is very, very gently downhill into Christchurch. So by gently, it sort of starts at maybe 2% and then it sort of flattens off and you maybe got like a 1% downhill for, for quite a long period of time. But the idea was you've had these really tough three days, you've had some really tough hills, but then you've got to try to ride the last sort of 75 minutes to... to to hour 45 at your sort of Ironman power for the guys who had power meters and uh, a lot of them managed to achieve that and as I said earlier rolled into the finishing point and thought geez that wasn't quite as hard as what I thought it was going to be and uh, you know gained some real good mental strength out of four big days of training right hmm. and uh <laughs> great 
You're riveted by it, Bevan. You were just you were willing me on to say more and more and more about that game. Immediately, I did kind of. I was 100 focused on what you were talking about. We had a new super support crew this year as well. I was running Tell me about support. It. I was uh, didn't really. I, I mean, I did a couple of the runs and, and the swims, but I didn't do any biking. So I was on support, and we had uh, Axel, myself, and Belinda came on the camp. Oh wow! Back it up. How'd that go? What about the kids? Yeah. Uh, they went to my parents' place. Um, so we had one other guy who was supposed to be doing it, but he had to back out. He got into a university course and had to go to that. So, so called in Belinda. Up to the plate. Stepped up the plate and did plenty of food shopping and food prep. And did, oh, I bet uh, she loved every minute of it. Oh, she was absolutely into it. No, she, she enjoyed it. It was, it was nice being away from the kids for a few, for a few days. It's pretty full on work, but isn't it? Like those those kids. This is not. We, we take it a little easier on the support crew now. We were eating out each night, so her, her oh, okay. role was more uh, mainly lunch Lunches, prep, cleaning up, and breakfast prep as well. So uh, I, I, I could have made a really smart comment there, but I won't. No, best not to. Best not to. Not look like a sexist pig. Not at all. Okay, Jumbo sponsor. Athlinks.com. Oh, yeah, I was I was getting ahead of myself and I was looking at questions and answers. No, no, sponsor. Let's join them on Facebook, Jumbo. I may have been looking at Facebook in the last five minutes. <laughs> so I went on to um, Athlinks, you know, we love Athlinks and thought, oh, I'm just going to check out what they've got on their. Uh, their Facebook page and join them. We've got like they've got like twenty one thousand people like their page. It's massive, and they post some cool things. And I've I, I've got I've got very minimal interest in Super Bowl, but I don't really. Oh, care too I have much to admit. Did you did you see what happened in the Super Bowl? But the I saw the last play. That, that was actually pretty fascinating. Yeah. 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 That, that, yeah I was. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, let's not pretend to be experts on American sport. We'll. Uh, but one thing that I noted that athletes shared on their Facebook page was the little uh, triathlon ad that they had. We all know that, you know, and uh, the, the adverts at Super Bowl, I don't know, they cost millions of dollars. And uh, go on to athlinks.com and go on their Facebook page and they've shared a little clip that Subway have done. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's got a little triathlon slant on it. It's very cool. Yeah, I did see it. It was quite funny, wasn't it? Yeah, so go on to Athlinks, check it out. We won't uh, spill the beans too much, but uh, check it out. Give them a like if you're on Facebook, and it's one way that you can you know, support one of our sponsors and uh, always make sure that all your, up, your results are updated on Athlinks. And one thing you can do is if you can link your Athlinks account to Facebook, so when you put results up, they can turn up on your Facebook feed if that's something you're interested in doing as well. I'm looking forward to winter, getting back into a bit of running racing and uh, getting some a n- bunch of results up there. Like last year, granted, I was really cranking into back into training and loving it, but you know, it's not only raced it. What did I do? I did Auckland? Yeah, you don't race a Taupo and for four races in one year. But this year, I'm gonna be cranking out those running races. Looking you, forward to it. You're gonna be cranking it out. Okay, Jumbo. The next, the next thing we're going to talk about is questions and answers. Oh, by the way, athlinks.com. Okay, we've got a question here from Tommy uh, Maud, and he's got uh, love the shows. Uh, triathlete of six years, however, pretty new to your podcast. I recently got a new job with a one-hour drive each way, and you guys have basically made the travel worthwhile. Awesome. He's talking about he wants to be a patron, um, but he's basically he had a few kind of things he wanted to talk about. Uh, which one do you want to talk about? Is it you want to talk about which one, John? Well, he was he was really just asking if we'd mentioned the Chris Gemmell um, yeah, affair. Yeah, 
we we mentioned it. We didn't. We didn't. Uh, and it, it was a little while ago. So Chris Gimmel was a, a Kiwi ITU athlete. Uh, went to the Olympics, but and, and then basically retired. But then got a re- retrospective ban for missing uh, a number of drug tests. Um, and so, similar to what Tim Don had uh, a number of years ago. Uh, and so he got given a ban, but he'd kind of already retired. So we said well, it was a bit of a waste of time, really. But he's actually had that ban shortened recently. He went to appeal, and it kind of makes I don't know why. I don't know, it just makes a bit of a mockery of the system when you can go to appeal and just get it shortened, but he's not racing anyway. But so we did mention the, the Chris Gemmel thing, but you know, Chris paid a heavy price for that because, um, uh, yeah, who knows if he was taking drugs or not? It's uh, my opinion, it's highly unlikely he was, but they have the three strike rule if you miss three tests, then you're assumed, you know. Boom! You get get given a punishment, but he's lost his job and lost a whole bunch of other things because he was working for ITU. So he got fairly heavily penalised, even though he's not racing anymore. He basically lost the the job and, and a lot of things he was doing with that with ITU because he was a buffoon and uh, missed missed drug tests and, and you know complying to his the whereabouts program that they do. So pretty serious consequences if you don't um, if you're still in that testing pool and you don't adhere to the, the rules. I have to say, Tommy, Tommy, it was a guy who came across as a very passionate um, triathlon follower. He was saying, I think, um, what was he saying? I'm an Aussie age grouper from Sydney and I'm a massive ITU fan, possibly the biggest ITU fan in all of Australia. During the European races, I have an ITU party at my place where I get a bunch of other idiot triathlete mates over at 3am to watch the events live. That That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, that, no, it's awesome. I love that, it. That is sensational. And he was just going on. He goes on to talk about how he does him and his partner into Xterra, and they go over to the World Champs for years ago, and they just you know they got some big goals in that. And uh, he's he's big within. Uh, finally, I heard your recent episode about filling up races in the last minute, which was a complaint of John's. OMG, John, tell me about it. I'm the president of the Hills Triathlon Club here in Sydney. It's one of the biggest clubs in Australia, over 400 members. We put on 10 events each year between 200 and 300 competitors at each race. It's no different here we get 100 people or over 60 percent often entering in the last 48 hours come on triathletes <laughs> get your crap together get it in sooner it makes it much easier for us putting the races on so tommy just sounds like he's a pretty all-round good guy who's doing a lot for his local community so good work tommy and you're going to hear from tommy in a moment because he's become a patron of the show and when you come in at different levels we've got different little things i've got the im talk Swim caps. John yeah. has delivered, team. They when we got on Skype tonight, good. he put the cap on, and uh, we didn't put it on, but he showed me the cap, and it's awesome, eh? It is. So uh, it's a black, black cap. With, and it's uh, a good good material? It is. It's nice, thick silicon. Granted, I haven't had a swim. I literally got home from uh, from the camp, but my neighbour brought it over, this big bag, and I was like, what the hell is that? Um, but really nice, thick silicon cap, black, with the IM Talk logo. It is... You, we're only going to give them to people who come in at our patron level um, as per Tommy, and then you get to do a little clip for the show as well. Um, but it's looking good. You're going to be uh, well identified, and it'll be another talking point at your local pool. People will go, hey, what's that I am talking all about? And you'll yeah. go, well, you become our promoter. So just for those of you who are wondering, you obviously probably heard us talk a little bit about the patron thing. And just so you do know, there's basically kind of five levels you can choose from. I think it's five or four or five. You've got just to give kind of a dollar a month, which is just, we call that the skinny, but ultimately, 
basically the, the basic level is $5 a month where you get your nickname and you go into that biannual draw for the Kona to come over to Kona with us for each couple of years. Uh, the pledge $10, that's where you get the cap. You also can put a 30 second clip on the show and that's what Tommy's done this week. Um, you get your nickname and then you get two tickets that go into the biannual draw. Uh, $20, you get the cap, you get the 30 clip, you get the nicknames, you get three draws and $50, which is absolutely awesome. You, you actually get an I Am Talk, all, the, all of the above, plus an I Am Talk jersey and bike shop, uh, shorts. And if you're ever in New Zealand or you come to Kona when we're there, we'll go out for lunch with you and we'll chat you some lunch. So that's um, it's uh, it's all pretty cool stuff. So if you want to support the show, and we have had some people come on and support the show, so we really appreciate those who know that you know they're listening right now and you have supported the show. Um, thank you so, so much. If you want to do that, just go to www.iamtalk.me. And I, and I thought about it the other day, John. You know, we, we probably put out probably around over 70 hours of content a year probably mm. more than that really probably somewhere closer to 80 hours of content a year so if you're out there training right now and you think about you know the amount of content we create in a year you know maybe it's worth chucking five bucks a month and towards the show or, or more if you can afford it so check out the patron and we've got a few names of people who have given patrons john we have keith the ice lord manning now, is that a new one I don't think so I think that that's was a one of the good animals. name the ice lord the manning. ice lord that's sensational Chris, the battleship Niebauer. Nice, nice. This, this one is a new one. Stan, the Laser Lisak. That's a good one. Laser Lisak. Laser Lisak. This is another new one. Marcus Thunderbolt Aronson. That's a good one as well. I just always think with Marcus, it sounds like a real Scandinavian name. I yep. always just think these big, strong guys like Thunderbolt. Nice. And George. Mr. Madman Gray. Nice, nice. That's a good one. Did you do this in your one as well? Yep, and then finally, uh, Tom Tommy Maud, who we were just talking about before, Chopper. Chopper. I don't know where I came up with Chopper. Well, Mad Australian, because yeah, Chopper was a Mad Australian, wasn't he? I, I think I was thinking wood, you know, you chop wood down, Chopper. Oh, nice, Chopper. Okay, and so what we're going to do right now, Tommy is the first person to actually send through a voice clip, and we're going to put that on right now. So here we go. G'day, I am Talk. It's Tommy Maud here from Hills Tri Club in Sydney, Australia. Love the show. You guys do an amazing job. I'm a huge ITU and Xterra fan, and this year I'm looking forward to kicking Pete Monaghan's butt at Xterra World Champs in Maui. Okay, Jombo, we're back. So, Tommy, love your work there. Love your work and love the SmackDown talk you're doing as well. So, uh, SmackDown delayed, love a bit of SmackDown. Now, everyone in your community's heard it, so you've got to back it up. That's the key. Exactly. Okay, John. What's been happening? Well, quickly, sponsors are Athlinks.com, Social Networking for Endurance Athletes. And extreme endurance. Yeah, you could be like all those legends yourself. John, my gossip is... Well, you, you start. I always ask you, what's the goss? I've just... I mean, my goss, I've just literally got back from the camp about two, two hours, three hours, two and a half hours ago. You should tell me yeah. what you're doing on the camp. <laughs> yeah, I might wake <laughs> up a bit. And uh, that's basically been what, all that's been happening the last week. Just a bit, a bit of a different experience having Belinda there, seeing... Seeing what what goes on, on the inside of a camp, and yeah, it's just all. Uh, Do you think month. in some ways you, you you hurt yourself in some ways because it wasn't as a demanding camp as some of the other camps you do? She mm. now has this perception that it's you know because I've seen you on camps like epic camps, mm. and, and in all fairness to you, you work your butt off on those epic camps. Like mm. it's 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 a hard you know thirteen twelve days or however long they are. You know, it sounds like this one was a bit, you know, a bit kind of low key. Was she got? She read a book and a half, I think. She's yeah. been cranking through my Kindle. So I, now, when I you read... when you go away now, she's thinking, oh, he doesn't do bugger all. 
And uh, I think it was probably, I think it would have been a different scenario if I'd been doing the training as well, because then I would have been a bit more grumpy and uh, and also would have been a bit more demanding. So that might have been a slightly different story. But nice. no, she she hand, took everything in her stride and she she's good. And what do you got coming up this week? What's, what's the plan for this week? Coming up this week is uh, Waitangi Day, so I'll oh, be commemorating that with uh, with all my fellow Kiwis, of course. Yep, um, yeah, it's basically three trying to fit in three days of work. Do you, uh, do you take the day off? Nah. I've already had that authorised that I can uh, can work through just to catch up. Oh, just got cool. quite a few things on the next month. It's just uh, it's just a bit full on, but overcommitted. But overcommitted. What can mm. you say? No, I'm, re- I'm reading a book right now. What's it called, John? Let me have a look here. The problem uh, with Kindles, Bevan, is you never remember the names of the books because you just read through them and you never you don't see the title every day. So I, I've just read three books. I read the Divergent books. Uh, remember the first one called oh, Divergent. The, the Divergent, the, the kids ones. Yeah, yeah. Is it Don't good? call me a kid. Don't call me a kid. Oh, no, no, because I, I read The Hunger Games and I really enjoyed The Hunger Games. Yeah. No, so they, they were really good. Yeah. Um, read Divergent, but then the last two, I, know, I think one of them was called Insurgent, but the first one was a paperback and the second two were on the Kindle and uh, you just never see the title of the book and you oh, never see the true. author's name. So, yeah. yeah. But that was a good, good little series of books. Okay, well, I'm reading one called Essentialism, or actually I'm listening to Essentialism, and it's very much about learning to say no, John. Mm. It's about learning to do what do you actually really need to do and what don't you need to do, John, mm-hmm. and learn to say no. Mm-hmm. Because the, by saying yes to stuff you don't need to do, you're limiting yourself, John. Um, can you just make sure, just remember after the show yeah. to um, update, <laughs> update uh, just all the show notes for the last three years? Uh, no. See, see what I'm learning there? No. It's oh, <laughs> very good. I'm helping you. Um, you never goss? No, that's it. It's uh, 9.33 on Tuesday evening. We normally record at about 6 o'clock in the morning. So one of us can have the night off and go to bed. Yeah, yeah. Or both of us could and we can release the show late. No, no, I'm happy I, with I'm, that, Bevan. If you release it no, late, I've got I've, no complaints. I've got a busy day tomorrow. So, oh, John, I'm trying to get a TV show to made. This, this is one of my goals this year is to try to get a TV show made. And when I was when I was doing my modelling with my mate Phil, Phil from uh, The Amazing Race, yeah. he gave me his email, his personal email. Joe's been giving me crap because he says, he, he, I think he's my best friend now. And uh, and he probably doesn't even remember who I am now, but I have got his email address. And, and I was talking to him about how do I get a TV show made. And so... Tomorrow I've got a meeting about getting a TV show made, and oh. admittedly, it's it's um, very very much like highly unlikely it will happen. But so tomorrow I'm putting on all my shout, I'm putting on all my good my good behaviour. Got to oh. slow down my talking because I know that never works to my advantage. I got to put this my proposal forward, and hopefully this year could be the year I get a TV show made. You got another good shirt to wear. Yeah, I've even got my shirt undone for you right now, so you yeah. know, maybe I'll pull off that strategy. Yeah. You know, pull, you know, whip my shirt off and say, hey, how's your show? We went down to Dunedin today. That mm-hmm. was good. Sunny Dunedin. That was uh, did, did some talking. Oh, I wonder if we won the cricket year. Yeah, we're going to win it. Yep. Our cricket team is awesome, eh, John? Oh, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. They are going awesome. Oh, come on! This is this is probably one of the best cricket periods in New Zealand's history. I know, I know, we haven't won the World Cup yet. We won. We won by over 100 runs. 119 runs. Take that, Pakistan! All our Pakistan listeners, take that. Yeah, that big contingency we have in the Pakistan division. Um, Kane Williamson. How about him for a cricket player? Yeah, he's awesome. He is awesome. Um, any other goss? Do you know what, John? What? Respect for people out there who have four kids. Because we had some friends come around the other night, my mate Marky Mark and their kids, four kids. Mm-hmm. Within two minutes, I didn't even recognise my house. Mm-hmm. The baby managed to get a pen, drew on our walls. <laughs> so, oh, <nice. laughs> and, and you have a laugh and all the rest of it. 
Are you doing? Yeah, they're not coming around again. No, no, they're all good to come around once a month. Yeah, <laughs> but you do think far out, Brussels sprout. That's a busy life. Yeah. So, yep, there you go. Well done for those people out there with four kids or more. You know what? Two kids, kids in general. Anyway, team, we're going to be back in the studio. We're back in the studio next week, aren't we? Yes. And we're doing a legends interview next week as well, eight thirty. Yes. So it's a yep. big morning next Tuesday morning. Okay, guys. So, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha. Okay, team, we'll see you next week.